Unfreaking believable. The Yankees had a chance for a sweep to close out the first half against the Astros and instead blew a 7 2 ninth inning lead. And that sums up the first half of the season for the Yanks. We'll dive into a nightmare loss Sunday in Houston and look back at a rough first half of the season. Our guest this week calls Yankees games on their Spanish radio network, WADO. It's Ricky Ricardo. So take some deep breaths. And join us to vent on the latest Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello, and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod. Uh, unfortunately. Our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Yankees Spanish radio play-by-play announcer Ricky Ricardo will join us on the second half of the Pinstripe Pod. I say unfortunately because, Jeff, I don't know. How many times we have to start this podcast and think that, oh my God, the Yankees are turning the corner. You know, they're turning their season on a dime. Garrett Cole throws a 129 pitch, like throwback masterpiece, screams the F word at his manager to get off the mound. I, this is my game. I earned it. God bless him for doing that, by the way. He absolutely shuts down his former team in his first trip back to Houston, sets the Yankees up, his new team, for a sweep of his old team on Sunday before the All-Star break. And now the Yankees hit the pause button for three days after choking up a 5 run ninth inning lead. And it's not anyone else in the Astros lineup but Jose freaking Altuve, a freaking again. I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> you guys, you ever been on Space Mountain? This is this is what it is. It's Space Mountain. You go round and round and round, then you go down, then you go back up, and then you go round and round. It's uh, you know, it's they're back tied for well, tied for third or in fourth, whatever, with the Blue Jays. So you know, it was off away. You know, I I texted you on Friday. I said, hey, this is probably going to be a sweep. You know, the Astros are going to sweep the Yankees. I, I thought for sure it was set up that way. Uh, you know, yeah, Granky and Cole was a great matchup. one nothing, Outstanding job by Cole. You know, I, I was worried about the adjustments he was going to make, especially after this tacky stuff and, and how he wanted to stay in the game. 129 pitches. You never see that anymore. And, you know, he basically said, Boone, take your freaking ass back to the dugout and let me <laughs> let me have a game. And, and you love that. I mean, that's that's old school style right there. That's what old school pitchers, old school starters would tell their manager. They would go out and see how they're feeling. I'm glad Boone didn't go to the bullpen right away because a lot of managers will come out of the dugout and just point to the bullpen and say, okay, I, I want somebody in here. And he wanted the game. He won nothing game. It was an outstanding game. And then all of a sudden, you win the first two. You figure, okay, you got a sweep, and then you're up seven to two. You had you three hit them on Friday. Then you gave up three hits again on Saturday. And it could have been another three hitter on Sunday. You shut down the offense of the Astros, who was one of the best offenses in, in Major League Baseball. 
and you can't win the game. You know, I, I just don't, I don't get it, you know. And then another thing I don't get, yes, you can easily second guess and why, but why, you, you, seven to two, isn't that a soft landing for your closer? You got your starter back, you know, after Cole got roughed up a little bit on his previous few starts. You know, Chapman obviously has not been the same. Unless there's something going on with him, seven to two is not a soft landing to try to end the first half and at least get him back on track. You don't throw him for the last four days. I don't get it. A thousand percent right on Chapman. But in that situation, once Green starts getting knocked around and the Astros start coming back and they make it a 7-5 game, then your window of opportunity. Oh, yeah, you're not going to put him yeah, in. No, you're I not going to bring him in that point. But to your point, 7-2 to start the ninth, like you said, that's your soft landing. And you can't if you're Aaron Boone, go out there before every game and say, you know, you're asked the question, is this a game? You want to get Chapman in before the break. And he said, somebody, I think that, I think Randy Miller asked him, and he asked him this way, is this a game that you're desperate to get chat? He goes, I don't think I'm desperate to get him in, but you know, if the situation warrants itself, yes, he'll, he'll get some time. Now he did get up in that Cole game. And then they were saying that was like a decoy situation. That was just to keep the Astros guessing. Why, why in the world, as you're sitting there watching, this guy, and I, I hate bringing money into the equation because it's just a stupid fan way of thinking, and I apologize, but he makes all this money. He's your closer. It's 7-2. You have a five-run lead in the ninth inning. I know it's Houston. I know he's got some demons there, but the perfect way for me, Jeff, and to your point, again, you were the one who brought it up, but if you want to get him back on track, and you want to get him thrown before the All-Star break, a five-run lead in the ninth inning, I don't care if it's in Houston. I don't care if Altuve is lurking and and what he did to him in the postseason. Get him out there in a five-run game and see if you can get him right. Now, if he walks two guys, if his control isn't there, all right, then you go to Green, and then you see what the hell happens. But Chad Green admitted as soon as he came out for his post-game comments yesterday, and you know what? He was the first one. He even came out before Tyone. So, Tip your cap to Chad Green for taking the hits yesterday. And he said, I'm not going to make any excuses. I didn't have my best stuff. It just, and and that's who Boone was rolling with. He wasn't going anywhere else. Nobody, I think Licky got up at one point, but he got up at a couple points during the game yesterday. But Green was his guy. And let's face it, you know, over his last, I think it was 17 games I saw over his last 11 games. I'm sorry, 17 and two thirds innings before that ninth inning yesterday, he was pitching to a, 0.51 ERA. Opponents were hitting 119 off of them. They had an on-base percentage of 133, slugging 169, 23 strikeouts and one walk, seven hits, one earned run, but bookended by his, the 12th appearance. If you go one, one appearance back, he gave up four runs to the Red Sox. So this does happen with Green from time to time. It was just at the worst possible time nelly for this to happen yeah it is and and you know i'm gonna if i'm chapman i'm not very happy because this is this is a perfect opportunity for him to end the first half he did throw up a zero his last time and now he loaded the bases but he did throw up a zero and we talked about this uh, on thursday that you know just a zero builds a lot of confidence you know you got out of your own jam you got a sigh of relief and you say okay i might be ready to go now and you know you don't go in on sunday and, and i just don't get this is this is what i'm you know everybody's tar- 
talking about Boone and, you know, he's not a great manager. He's not a great decision maker. Well, this was a bad decision right here. You know, whether it was Blake, whether it was Boone, whatever it was. But that's the thing. Is it, it an organization? Yeah. Is it an organizational yeah, thing? Is it a coach thing? How do you not want to get thing? your best pitcher? He's, one of your, he's your best pitcher in the bullpen. How do you not want to get him right? in the front office, whether whether you're getting your lineup handed down to you or not, and they also say, hey, on these cert- certain situations, you pitch these guys. But still, oh, I have to get my closer right. I got to get him right. And yesterday was a perfect opportunity. You know, I don't care if they would have won the game. They could have won the game 7-2, to two, and I still would have been bitching about it today. So why didn't Chapman pitch in this game? He should have pitched. And with Green, you know, Green gave it up. Okay, great. But I'm tired of the babiness and, and, and how, you know, when he, when he threw three innings on that Sunday, all of a sudden he has two days off. They wanted to lay off of him and give him a few more days. I'm like, come on, you had two days off. And then they finally pitch him. He got that save, I think, what was it, Wednesday. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has another couple days off and they were a little concerned about him yesterday. Come on, man. This is what, what this is the big leagues. This is your, your baby every, I mean, not just the Yankees, you baby every single person in the big leagues. And I just don't get it. I, I, I don't get it whatsoever. Well, let me ask you this, because when you started talking about Chapman uh, at the beginning right there, you were bringing up the, a great point, And that was, if you are oldest Chapman out in the bullpen and you're not used in a 7-2 game, then you're really starting to question yourself. Are you not as a competitor, as a pitcher? I mean, if the, I want to put you in his spikes, Nelly. If you're out there, what are you thinking if you're Chapman? Well, I always wanted the, you know, if I didn't, if I had a bad outing, I always wanted the ball the, the next day. I couldn't sleep for one. I kept analyzing what I did. And I was like, oh, you know, you're always second guessing yourself. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. And like I said, that's zero. Even though you loaded the bases, a zero meant something. When we had, when, when Joe Torrey or Lou Pinella was my manager, and if one of his guys were struggling just a little bit, guess what? He was in a game like that. You know, Mariano Rivera never struggled, so he didn't have to worry about giving him a soft landing or try to, you know, get him back on track. I mean, if he blew a game, it was like nothing. He forgot it easily. But if Mike Stanton or myself or, you know, we had a Graham Lloyd or some, if one of Joe Torrey's guys didn't have a good outing, he's getting him in the next time and getting him right. So when there is a close game and you do need your setup guys in a crucial situation, they're going to be able to go out with confidence and be able to make pitches and, and make pitches in situations to get out of those jams. And Aroldis Chapman and Garrett Cole are the best two pitchers on this staff. After the tacky stuff, I was concerned. I thought, okay, well, maybe this is something. We talked about it. Cole went out and he shut out the Astros and, and he looked great. And maybe he made an adjustment, whatever he did to try to get a good grip on the ball, whatever he did, he looked great. Chapman has not looked great. But at the same time, you have a 7-2 game and you want your closer right. You know, you have LaGuizaga, probably will wind up coming back. He went on that a COVID IL. And then all of a sudden you have Green. Those guys have been pitching lights out. I, I You know, great. I don't see Chad Green as a closer. I think sometimes pressure situations get to him. You know, he was able to make some good pitches. He was able to do some, you know, good things in previous outings. But I like him as a setup guy. But you have to get your closer right. And that was a big mistake by the Yankees going into the break yesterday. And you know what? Going into the break, that's exactly where I wanted to go before we welcome in our guest, Ricky Ricardo. And just one more thing for you, Nelly. And that is... You know, normally winning two series, going five and two, starting with that Mets second game of the doubleheader, ending the first half five and two in any other circumstances would probably be a win. The way you, know, you get tired of bitching on this on this podcast, and that's all we do. I mean, it's like <laughs> I was ready to talk. Hey, this is great. 
Six and one road trip. You sweep the Astros going in the break. I mean, this is exactly what you want. But right. Th- think of that mindset. What I'm just saying here, six and one would have been phenomenal. And we would have been like showering them with roses on this podcast. Five and two, you would think would be great as well. But yesterday, this Sunday game, I would have rather the Yankees lost 15 to nothing rather than lose the way they lost. And going into the break, five and two should be looked at as positive. But my God, it's just the same. It's like a microcosm. And I know I sound like a broken record, but it's a microcosm of the entire first half. It is. And it's, uh, you know, I I don't know where they go in these next couple weeks because they have the, what you say, the Red Sox today play eight, nine games. Eight against the Red Sox, two against the Phillies, three against the Rays. That's the upcoming schedule. Good luck with all that. Yeah, so you talk, uh, what's that, 14 games, pretty much have to win 10 of them to even think about making a move, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, because if you don't win that many games and you're you're trading to go after the wild card, I, look, Let's be honest with everybody here, okay? Right now, the way this team is playing, and I know we're we're in July still, and I know we're before the All-Star break still technically, and I know we're pretty much a little bit ways away from the trade deadline, but the way this team is playing right now, the way this team has played in the first half of the season, even if they do squeak into the playoffs, you need Cole to do what he did against the Astros in order, you know, to get past the wild card round. And I I just don't know, Jeff, if they have what it's going to take to get by a good team in the postseason because they can't do it in the regular season. They shoot themselves in the foot every chance they get when they have an opportunity to make a statement. And that last statement in Houston, uh, you take it two out of three, you win the series, great. But that loss... And and now you hit the pause button on that loss. It's just an awful way to hit the break. Yeah, you know, a couple of good good things though. You know, Tyone pitched well, second second start in a row against. A, you know, I know Correa was out for the Astros, but again, it was a good. They're a good offense. They're a very good team, and he was able to shut them down for. Well, the for top six five, games. the top five guys in that lineup are true. Yeah. Uh, still to this point. So another I mean, thing, yeah. Yeah, and another thing, you know, I watched a little bit of the Yes Post game, and, and I was listening to, you know, John Flaherty Flash's comments, and and he said something that I definitely agree with, and he made a great point that the Yankees are talking about this wild card way too much. You know, oh, we're in the wild card hunt. Are you playing for second best, or are you playing the win, or do you want to win the East? I've never heard of a team so engaged about. Well, you know what? We're right there in the wild card. This is July. You're going into the all-star break and you're worrying about staying in the wild card hunt. How about trying to win the Eastern division? Maybe they are. Maybe they're inside the clubhouse. That's what they're talking about. And hey, it's nothing about the wild card. Maybe Boone's, you know, not thinking about the wild card. But why in the world would you think about, hey, we're we're three and a half or we're four out of the wild card? Who cares? Are, Are you a second place team? Is that what you're saying? That we're not good enough to win the East and this is in the middle of July? Or or so we're gonna try to stay in in the wild card hunt? It's ridiculous. Kids call what happened Sunday the Sunday scaries, uh, that kind of situation. That's what the kids call it. After a long night Saturday, uh, I've had many Sunday scaries uh, over the years, but you also could have gained ground on a couple of teams there and made things very interesting going to the break with the Rays losing, with the Red Sox losing. You could have gained ground in that wild card that they speak about, which four and a half is not terrible versus eight games. So you really had a chance to gain some ground. And you know Chapman, you mentioned him, would have been nice for him to go into the All-Star game with a, a clean inning, beating the Astros, closing out the first half strong. Now he's going to the All-Star game. He's not the closer. And his last outing came in a 12-1 game where he walked two guys and gave up a hit. 
He's limping into the All-Star game. He's not hurt, but he, he's basically in a wheelchair. I mean, they're going to wheel him out the first baseline. Or roll this Chapman. And, I mean, he's not the closer. Well, he doesn't, so. doesn't belong there anyway. And we can no. have another show about the All-Star game because this is a, it's I, a you know, joke. It's it a is joke. a joke. Yeah, I, you know, so I tweeted out that I tweeted out the other day that, you know, I'm getting tired of all the players backing out. And I, and I understand injuries. So I can understand, hey, you know, I'm, I'm hurt like you're Schwarber. You know, he there's no way he was going to be able to play. But I don't like the idea that, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go because I want to be with my family. I understand that the three or four days off are very warranted in, in a major league player's, you know, season. You, you know, you want time off. You, you like to relax with your family. You don't get to see them. Hey, you know what? See them in the wintertime. This is what you get paid to do. The All-Star game used to be an honor to make, and it's not anymore. It's a, it's a joke. And I think, you know, somebody tweeted out, made a comment to mine and said, ever since interleague play, it has diminished the All-Star game. And I agree. You know, it's uh, used to be American League, National League, and used to have pride for your league. I made it one time. I wanted to beat the National League. I wanted to keep a streak going or whatever. I, w- I had pride for my fans, you know, the got people who picked me, and I wanted to win. You know, I, you know, not a lot of guys felt that way. But now it's even worse. It's a joke the way this is this is happening. It used to be the best all-star game and I think all of sports. And now I don't, I, I think so too. 100%. And you were in it when it didn't count. Now at least there's home field on the line. So I, mean, I know it doesn't mean stuff to like the pirates and the Royals and, and teams that are out of it, but you know, home field is nice and you get a bonus. Nelly, do you get a bonus for making the all-star you know, game? Yeah, yeah, you got a bonus. And you know, okay. So if DeGrom and I, somebody, a few others backed out because they didn't want to go, do they still get their, their bonus? I mean, I don't know. You know what? Here's your bonus, but oh no, I don't want to play. I'm going to, well, I think Taiwan Walker replaced DeGrom for the Mets. So I guess maybe Walker is going to get the bonus. And well, good for guys contract. like that. You know, if time. you get picked, it's in your contract. If you get picked to the All Star, it doesn't matter who, make the, yeah, who makes it. Yeah. There's a clause you know, you're still in your contract. Get it. If you don't go, you still get the bonus. Yeah. And you also get to hang out with all the stars. The parties are great. You know, when I when I went to NBA All Star Weekend in Toronto, one of the greatest weekends of my life. Every party, all the celebs are out. It's a hell of a time and a chance to chill with a lot of cool people. So I guess that doesn't factor in well, for some of these. Well, it, to me, Nelly, and I don't know how you feel, but it, it's like across all the major sports now. It, it, it's all about me, 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 my brand, and how much money I make, and what sneaker that's coming out. And it, you know, you talked about pride. I, I don't think there's too much pride in anything anymore. I I really don't. And it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. I really don't like where sports is headed because if you make the all-star game and you got to remember, I grew up watching Pete Rose in the all-star game and that guy played the all-star game. Like it was game seven of the world series on steroids for crying out loud. If you watch some highlights from him playing in the all-star game and now it's just like, meh, I don't have to go. Hey, thanks for picking me, everybody. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit this one out. I'm probably not even gonna watch it. I might watch the home run derby with Pete Alonso Monday. Well, Otani but... too. I mean, that's must see TV. Let's be honest. Yeah, but I might take the night off and uh, maybe go on a dinner and a movie date. On yeah, Tuesday I don't think I'll watch it either. I, I just, uh, I mean, it's it's a shame the what it's become. I wish it's a shame a lot of the rules. It's, I mean, we, it's it's. Uh, I don't know what the deal, what the deal with the game, which way the game's going nowadays. Guys, gr- grade the first half for me before Ricky comes on. Based on what your expectations were, is this like a D minus? What is the Yankees' first half grade? Oh, are we going like school grades? Uh, I school grades. Uh, all right, school grades. I'm gonna get. Yeah, I, I was. That's where my head went as soon as you said grade the first half. I'm gonna say D minus. I just don't. Uh, it's almost an F. 
I mean, almost incomplete. I, I'm, there's almost no grade for crying out loud. You know, you you look at everything that they've been through, and and you can't get on Jamison Tyone. He's coming back from his second Tommy John, and Jeff, he was trying to figure things out in the first half, and he told us that yesterday in the post game. He took us through the journey of his first half of the season, and if you as a fan were laying everything on the line. With Jamison Tyone, I don't know what the hell to tell you, but he has seemed like he's turned it around. So that that is one silver lining, hitting the break uh, and going forward into the second half. But as a team, the offense and the pitching have been working separately for so long. They haven't put it together. If they do do that in the second half at some point, the team can take off. But based on their schedule, as soon as the second half starts, they're in a heap of trouble the way they've been playing. So first half is a definite D minus for me. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like one of those things where, you know, you hand in your term paper and I'm looking it over and I hand it right back to him. I say, you can do better. <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want to see this. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is not good. Gra- I mean, everything is bad. It's just here, you know, redo this, you know, maybe, maybe pick a different subject because it's not, this is not cutting it. And that's what it is. You're right. You guys are right. Well, uh, when I was leaving the stadium, well, when I was doing the interviews for the post game at the end of the game yesterday at the stadium, Ricky popped his head in and said, plenty for us to unpack tomorrow. Well, tomorrow is now today. And right after this, we're going to get Ricky Ricardo in here who calls the games in Spanish for WADO. As promised, joining us now, the Yankee Spanish radio play-by-play announcer on WADO. It's at RR underscore Ricardo FAN on Twitter. Ricky Ricardo, of course. He also loves calling 60-plus yard field goals for his Eagles against my Giants every freaking year. I'm so sick of hearing that si senor, <laughs> si senor, si senor when his team beats my team. But, <laughs> but Ricky, thank you so much for joining us, pal. We appreciate the time. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Lots, lots to talk about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As you said, uh, leaving the stadium yesterday, lots to unpack today. And I want to start unpacking that suitcase with you. Uh, Nelly and I were just talking in our first segment how it just made absolutely no sense to not get a Roldis Chapman into that 7-2 game in the bottom of the ninth. Just curious as to what your thoughts were about that. Well, I agree. And and I wanted to throw it out to Jeff, especially. I mean, the mentality of a guy like Chapman, the type of competitor that he is, but a fragile, because he is, okay? And I know Roldis pretty well. A guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve to be up twice in the game on Saturday night, and I get the whole Cole thing. He was going to be a hero that night. I understand he's back in Houston in front of a you know a, a, a huge crowd that gave him a great ovation when the series started. I understand all the elements involved. 129 pitch heroic effort, but Chapman sitting there with Mike Harkey warmed up twice in the bullpen on Saturday night. But then on Sunday, you figured, okay, maybe this is a quote unquote safe type of situation to get him in, you know, all-star break. He can go to Denver, you know, with, with a good taste in his mouth, but he doesn't even get up. You've got Lucas Litke warming up, okay? The the safety valve there was going to be Lucas Lidke in case Chad Green, you know, falters. Uh, so it, it's I just don't understand the mindset, what Aaron Boone was thinking there, because, you know, at some point he's either going to have to repair the psyche of his closer or they're going to have to trade this guy. One of the two. 
you know, and I just don't know how this worked out in that last 48 hour period between Saturday night, actually less than that, you know, between Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, you get him ready. Don't use him because of the heroic effort of Cole on Saturday night. Here's a perfect perfect situation to get him into a game and and maybe turn his psyche around it's against you know public enemy number one in new york the houston astros it's maybe even altuve you know the guy that hit the home run against him so you know maybe he can even get that in detail off his chest maybe get through a game against an altuve and doesn't even get up i I thought that was uh, very very telling yeah, the only thing I can think is that if there is something going on, maybe he maybe he's injured. Maybe if that's the case, okay, then you get a pass. You know, maybe he's not feeling right or, or whatever. But if it's not, then you're seeing some of the indecisions or maybe the uh, lack of making a, a tough decision for Boone. He's not that experience level or whatever you want to call it as a manager, not being able to pull that trigger. Chapman and Cole, your two best pitchers. They're your best pitchers on this staff. You got Cole right for one game. He went out 129 pitches. I can understand not not bringing somebody else in there. If you're Chapman, you got to be. You, you can't be very happy with it. You, you can't be very happy not getting in the game. I know he probably won it in that game Saturday, and he he had a tons of confidence. Confidence. I know just throwing up a zero. I know you loaded the bases the last time, but you just threw up a zero. I've been there before. Done that. And all you need is a zero. It doesn't matter how it happens, just a zero, and that's what happens. And then get him in the game again. Because now you're going eight days and you haven't even thrown. And, you know, to me, it it just made zero sense. He is the guy. He's your best pitcher down there. He's the guy you got to get right. And for him not to pitch in that game, I don't care if he, I don't care if the Yankees came out on top seven to two, that he still should have thrown in that game to end the first half going into the Boston series. Because now, if you don't have any confidence in him throwing in a 7-2 game, you're going to play the Red Sox after the break. What kind of confidence do you have then? You had to beat the Astros, so Boone is like playing, okay, I got to win these games, and I don't have confidence in Chapman. Oh, I'm not going to have confidence in Chapman against the Red Sox, so I don't know if I'm going to pitch him there. I'm going to wear out Chad Green, who may be not a closer. Uh, Loisica probably will come back. So it just doesn't make any sense. The indecision, to me, this is on the coaching staff. I just don't get it. Unless he's hurt, if he's not hurt, this is on the coaching staff. How do you not do that? Joe Torre, if you had bad outings and you were one of his guys, you were in. You had a soft landing. He had to get you right. He needed you. I need. He basically said, I need you to get right so you can come in situations and throw lights out. Get out of tough situations. You're going to need Chapman. And I don't understand why I didn't pitch. This is this is on the coaching staff. I, I agree 100%. Ricky, what about uh, coming off that Garrett Cole game? You brought that up too. So let me go there because that seemed like, I don't know how many times, you know, I have to be Michael Corleone and Godfather 3 to have them pull me back in every time. That 129 pitch outing from Cole, he yells at Boone to get off the mound. Now, if that was Joe Torre, and that was Mike Messina on the hill. He wouldn't even made it off the top step of the dugout. He would have told him to stay in there. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but the fire out of Cole, I know you would have liked to see Chapman get some confidence back there. And as Nelly just alluded to, look, we, we hear Aaron before every game, especially since Chapman has had these issues, Ricky. And he wants to get him into the right spot in a game. If a 7-2 to two game 
in Houston, and excuse my Jim Carrey impression here, where he could have exercised the demons in Houston, and he doesn't do it in a five-run freaking game in the ninth inning, when what is a good opportunity to get him confidence back? And you know what, Ricky? They don't see them again this year. So the first time Chapman's going to see them is if, God willing, they get in the postseason? Uh, he could sketchy. have exercised those demons. That's why I said he could have got – it could have been a double whammy. It could have been the Astros, and it could have been even if you brought him in for Altuve, okay? Get him in there against the protagonist – that brought you the pain in 2019. Here's the guy that walked him off. You Right then and there, you could maybe have repaired the psyche of a oldest Chapman in one at bat in one inning. And to not even have him warming up, because every time the camera went to the bullpen, it was Lucas Lidkin. And look, it happened so fast because, I mean, Greeny had nothing yesterday. And he's been great. Greeny's been great, but he didn't have it yesterday. And to not have a role this ready to bring in, uh, you know, do you bring him in against uh, an Altuve, right-handed hitter? Who was it, who had hit ninth before Altuve? Who was the guy before Altuve? I'm trying to remember the sequence. Oh, Martin Maldonado. It was Maldonado. So he's also a right-handed hitter that had a, a hit a home run in the ballgame. And before that, you had Jason Castro that came in as a pinch hitter. Maybe you make the move right there, you know, okay. Here's the remember Dusty is down to Dusty had a three man bench. Yeah, he did have a he had a two man bench on Friday night, but he had a three man bench. So once Castro's in the game, he's really got nowhere else to go. He's locked into Castro. Maybe you work him in right there against the Jason Castro and let him get out of the inning there. So I, I'm in full agreement with both of you guys. I, I just don't understand the the sequence of events and and how he wasn't even warming up. Were there and any questions wanna... in the post game? Did anybody question Boone about this? I mean, that's the, I, I didn't catch that part. I caught a little bit about with Flaherty on the Yes Network, but I didn't catch any kind of questions with Boone. Anybody asked that? I was running to the airport to tell you that God's honest truth, and it wasn't Sweeney. Sweeney didn't do the post game yesterday. Peter Schwartz filled in for Sweeney on on the radio post game, and I don't know if the uh, the format of the post game show was the same. Uh, by the time I finished my post game and I got it off my chest because I was upset by the time i got in the car and 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 was on my way to the airport they were basically at the scoreboard segment of the postgame show somebody somebody did somebody did ask him i asked him about green and what he saw with green first and foremost and then someone did ask him about chapman and he said he and then he brought it back around to what he said in the pregame show and that was he wanted to get him into a good situation but (laughs) what's a good (laughs) but but I, I told Nelly this too, Ricky, in our last segment as well. And that is once you go to green and green starts to blow up and they make this a 7-5 game, that good situation, as I'm using Chris Farley air quotes here, that good situation goes right out the door. That is gone. You're not bringing him in with runners on and Altuve coming up. You don't have a good situation anymore. So if he brought him in in that situation, Altuve did to Chapman what he did to Green. I have to hear about this for three freaking days. So the time to bring him in was the at the bottom of the ninth, right out, right out of the gate. Go get it done. You have a five-run lead. Go get it done. Get your confidence back. Loisega is out. So Booney, you know, for the folks that want to 
question Boone about bringing him in. Hey, you know, the guy that I'd like to use as my closer is on the COVID DL, Jonathan Loisega. He's even got a, a landing, a soft landing spot for his own decision here. If it were to backfire, it's right before the All-Star game. You want to send the guy, you want to finish that series on a high note, send him out maybe with a different the whole state of mind. I, I just don't understand it. I really don't. I don't get it either, whether it's la- over-managing, under-managing, lack of feel for the game, lack of feel for uh, maybe your most important piece in the bullpen right now to try to get him right. Uh, it just didn't make sense. You know, even like I said, even if they would have won seven to two, I still would have been bringing this up. How do you not get your best pitcher in that bullpen right? He's the guy you're going to need in these next couple weeks, whether the Yankees make a decision on selling or buying. If they are buying, they better buy a bunch of guys because they're a bunch of guys away from competing, whether they think they're going to try to get the wild card and this is what they're playing for, because that's alarming too. Or, you know, John Flaherty came out on the S Network and made a, had a great point and said, you know, it's a little strange that they keep talking about the wild card. We're still in the wild card race. This is the middle of July and I've never heard of a Yankee team not wanting to win the East. Maybe they these guys are. Maybe they, you know, in the, in the locker room they're talking about it, but, you know, nobody ever mentions oh hey we're right there in the wild card race what what, what is that I, I really don't get it so it's been a disappointing season uh you know first half I, you know we graded these guys before you came on ricky and sheerney said d minus i agreed with him and i said hey it was one of those term papers they hand you in and you hand it right back to him and say redo because this is just not acceptable I, you know it'd be interesting to see what you think about this first this first half with the yankees and you know i, I had them almost as good as the dodgers i thought they were the best team in the american league and you know obviously they're not I I thought they rolled the dice as far as the starting pitching was concerned. You knew Kluber had upside, but was a risk injury-wise. You knew Severino, and and nobody even talks. I haven't heard anything about Severino's comeback uh, here in the last couple of weeks. Remember, he had the one setback when he made the He did throw a bullpen in Somerset two days ago, and he threw in the outfield at the stadium yesterday as well okay, on I'm Sunday running around but there's really they haven't updated a timetable I guess right there is no timetable yeah for uh for Severino's return you know Jeff I don't know if I had them in my mind I questioned whether they should have re-signed Tanaka okay fine you bring in Kluber at some point you're going to get Severino back the starting pitching worried me I thought the bullpen was probably the strength of this team but you know when I grade this first half, I thought the base running was just awful. Uh, there was a lot of of just fundamental things that just didn't happen. And I don't know if you guys buy into this theory. I I kind of do sometimes, but baseball seasons have have like auras to them, like swings. There are years when you kind of feel an energy, a positive energy, and you can you can sense that things are going in the right direction. And there are seasons where there's a negative energy and, and things, it's, it's like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. It's almost Murphy's Law-ish type of periods of time here. And that's what I sense with this team. I Look, the Angels debacle, the Mets debacle, the Astros debacle, those really stick out. But There are games that should have been won. You should have swept the Orioles at Camden Yards a couple of months ago. Didn't get it done. Should have swept the Indians in Cleveland. Didn't get it done. There have been stops along the way that maybe aren't as headline and bright and shiny 
as the losses against the Angels and the Mets and the Astros yesterday, but there have been smaller examples of this team just not being able to get the job done, put the step on the neck of the opponent, sweep some of these, you know, inferior teams or teams that you have played just at the right time, like the Indians. Should have swept the tribe. Didn't get it done. You're at Should have swept Seattle and you get shut out your last game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Mariners. That young group looked almost intimidated playing against the Yankees. You didn't get it done. So it's not just these big marquee losses that everyone talks about, you know, that have disappointed me along the way. So that that D, D minus really... I think I buy into that. I would agree with you. Yeah, three and nine now when going for a sweep, too. So that's to your point there. And I want to bring up something from Sunday's game, too. Something that was pretty much buried in a 7-2 lead going into the ninth inning. But it kind of comes back up now. In the first inning, Ricky, we both saw it. DJ LeMahieu trying to get greedy and making the first out at third on that pass ball. And he would have scored and the Yankees would have had that eighth run. And that that Altuve, as Michael Kay always says, the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. But still, to your point, the base running, another mistake. And this isn't a rookie. This is DJ LeMahieu. You cannot be doing that. I get being over aggressive, but you have Aaron Judge up. If you're on second base and he hits a base hit, pretty much you're going to score. So and that's that, when you're coaching. That's yeah, when you're that, coaching. So that's all awful. these base running and mental mistakes. That's awful. You know, physical mistakes are going to happen. Mental mistakes are That's are not a championship baseball team. I'm, I'm sorry. looking at the box score. It's not coincidence that they had 14 walks yesterday and left 14 men on base. That means you left every man that walked in that game. You left them on base. And still you scored seven. You should have scored 14 runs (laughs) in this game. You got 14 walks and you had 14 men left on base. It's unbelievable. The at-bats were all great. I mean, Framber Valdez didn't have his control. He has a lot of stuff, Ricky, where a lineup will chase. Like if you have a free-swinging lineup, Framber Valdez will be very successful because his curveball, his two-seamer, they work very well against each other. And the Yankees put together some great at-bats, not to mention that the home plate umpire Bacon was lost at points. Oh, terrible. Oh, God, he was he was brutal. So that's where those 14 walks come in. But to your point, I mean, for the love of God, you got to score more than seven runs when you have 14 walks in a game. And it it, it goes back to another thing. They're hitting with runners in scoring position. How many times do we have to talk? Nellie and I just talked about this in our first segment. We come on this podcast and every time like it'll be a Thursday where we're praising these guys. and It'll be a Monday where we're like, what the hell just happened? This team was like I just told Nellie. A six and one going into the break. If they held on and swept the Houston Astros, we're patting these guys on the rear end. We're cascading them with flower showers. Now, you know, normally a five and two record going into the break, you'd be like, all right, I could deal with that, but not after that freaking loss. Let me ask you this. Let, let me let me pose this to you because I know uh, our editor slash producer too, Brian Mungia, wants to hear the answer to this because he's a Yankee fan. Do you see this guy? these guys making the playoffs? Do you see them as a championship caliber team? Do you see them turning this around in the second half? They have got eight with the Red Sox, three with the Rays, 
So you're talking 11 of the 13 games right out of the shoot against the two teams you're going to have to beat. That question will be answered. I hate to throw it out this way, but that question's going to be answered by what? Early August here. These last two weeks of the month of July, these eight against the Red Sox, they've got a two-game series against the Phillies in there too. But after you finish with the Bo Sox, you go to Tampa and you play three more at the Trop before you get to Miami to go play the Marlins. So I'm, I'm going to cut it off right there after the three-game set at the Trop. That's 11 of your first 13 out of the All-Star break against Boston and Tampa. I will give you a definitive answer at the end of that last game against uh, against the Rays. Does my heart and my gut tell me that they'll do it? I got to be honest with you. I'm having a hard time believing that they can get it done. Can they? They Look, the opportunity is in front of them. They have got the teams that they need to beat. On the schedule, right now, right out of the shoot, coming back. It's it's a standalone game, which is interesting in itself. A standalone game on Thursday night. It's the only game in Major League Baseball. Thursday night. Everybody else, you know, starts up on Friday. So they've got this huge stage against Boston in their ballpark to start. They can maybe get some momentum going, turn this thing around. But if I've got to use as a criteria to answer the question, what I've seen up until now in the first 89 games of the season, that I'd have to say no. Ricky, I got one for you before we let you go here. And, you know, John Sterling is famous for his home run calls. Do you have some top home run calls in Spanish that you do, or, or is it just come off the cuff? Do you have certain ones for certain guys that are your favorite? Oh, I've got some good ones. Yeah, uh, can we can we hear them? Let's let's go. I'm, I'm gonna have to send you some Purdue. I, I can't just knock them out here. This morning. <laughs> I'll send you some clips. But um, no, I, the, my Sanchez, Gary Sanchez, loves my uh, my home run call for him with the whole cracking thing. And I used to really just sing for Didi Gregorius, which was great for years. And Didi loved it. The coaching staff manager, everybody loved that one. Uh, there's a few. I'll send you the clips. I promise you, I'll send you the clips. But we do have some fun with. it. How was your experience calling games with Jeff Nelson during a uh, fantastic, training? you know, I, and I don't say that because he's right there, but a pro's <laughs> pro informed and, and look, I've look, I live in Florida. So I watch plenty of Jeff and I, and I love watching him on Valley sports. Uh, but working with him was, uh, it was, it's put it this way. It's something I hope to do a lot. of. So do I, you know, we had a great, you know, we had a great time and we made, you know, you gotta you gotta make things light. You know, you can tell stories at the same time. You can bring in all the demographics of all all the age groups, but you tell stories. You make things light. And Ricky's Ricky was a professional. He's been doing this so for so long. It's such a great voice. And uh, I had to go down a little bit deeper so I could talk to him a little bit more. But no, it was it was so much fun. And you know, it just makes it easy. You know, and and you guys you just feed off each other. It was an instant uh, instant chemistry driven show and and radio program. So it was a lot of fun. I hope. We we get to do it again i hope we get to do like you said ricky a lot of games just do me a favor guys uh, this this goes for nelly if you guys are doing it and and you're on save the poop stories for the west coast just do me that favor oh well, nobody's listening okay i don't need to hear that i don't need to hear that 
in the afternoon. Better listeners. You, you bring in more <laughs> listeners. Your ratings go higher when you yeah. start. Poop equals ratings. Poop yeah. is ratings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricky Ricardo, thank you so much, brother, for coming on and spending some time with us. Once again, his Twitter handle is at RR underscore Ricardo FAN on Twitter. And you can catch his Spanish call, the Yankee games on WADO. And also, I hate to say it, but he's fantastic doing the Philadelphia Eagles games as well, even though he gives it to my Giants every chance he gets. Ricky, thanks a lot, brother. We appreciate it. Chris, Jeff, fellas, it was- was a pleasure. Uh, look, let's see if they get the ship turned around because it's iceberg ahead right now. <laughs> We'd love to have you back, brother. Anytime. That says goodnight to episode 69, the Alan Mills edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia, the I-Formation, for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Thursday following the All-Star breaks. We look ahead to the second half of the season. Enjoy the All-Star festivities, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.